light of infinite. We all have encountered ASAVs in our lives, whether as part of ourselves or manifested in various others we encounter. Yaakov demonstrates through these parshiot the various ways to overcome Esav and the Yetzirah, the evil inclination he represents. In last week's parasha, we saw Yaakov asking only for food and clothing. He's the picture of the pure tzaddik, Ishtam Yoshev Ohalim, a righteous man sitting in tents, learning Torah. At this stage of his life, he was fearful of Lavan and Esav, and he would flee and run from his troubles. But in this week's parasha of Vaishlach, we see a more mature Yaakov. He has accumulated material wealth because he knows how to spiritualize it. And he approaches Esav instead of fleeing because he knows the way in which he and all of us must face adversity. Rashi points out that the way in which Yaakov faced his challenges head on, he didn't rely on his righteousness or for Hashem to take care of it. He sent gifts, he prayed, and at the same time he prepared for the battle and separated his camp into two. He sent gifts, he prayed, and at the same time he prepared for battle, separating his camps into two sending emissaries ahead of him to his brother Esav in the land of Seir to the fields of Edom. In difficult situations, it's important to go with a positive attitude that everything's going to work out, but we can't always control how the situation will unfold and how the other person's going to react. So we have to prepare and protect ourselves at any cost. Yaakov represents Israel, which he is later named, and Esav represents Edom, the opposing nation to Israel. Rab Natan of Breslov explains that the gift Yaakov sends to Esav represents a certain devotion that we give to the Sitra Akhra, the other side. Examples being the goat to Azazel on Yom Kippur and Maimachonim, ritual handwashing before Birkat Amazon, the grace after meals. Yaakov's prayer in this case represents our asking Hashem to keep us safe from the Sitra Akhra, the other side, the side that opposes holiness. Yaakov separated his traveling tribe into two camps. Having faith, emunah, that on the strength of his tefillah, on his prayers, at least one of the two camps will be spared. As Chazal, our sages remind us that any tefillah a Jew offers will be answered at least in part. And finally, his battle represents our need to be prepared to repel Esav, the evil inclination, and to not fall into despair. As Rab Natan quotes, Even if I cannot fully win this battle, at least I will salvage some of my devotion, some of my preparedness to serve God. Life is a constant battle between the Yitzhar Tov and the Yitzhar Hara, the good inclination and the evil inclination. The only way to win is to constantly strengthen ourselves toward the good through tefillah, which also strengthens Aminah and Bitachon, and through the actions of performing mitzvot, the commandments. Before this parasha, Yaakov ran away from the physical in order to focus solely on the spiritual. While it's certainly tempting to want to escape this world and run away from its trials, it results in Yaakov being in a lower level of prophecy. Hashem appeared to him as a vision in the night, a lower level revelation through dreams, which we see with folks from Avimelech to Lavan and Bilam. But once he wrestles the angel and once he prepares to face Esav, he's renamed Israel. We are Bnei Israel, the children of Israel, because we are meant to live in this world, to deal in materialism, but also to continually find ways to elevate it. We can enjoy the pleasures of this world, but not like Edom, not like Esav. Being like Israel means we can enjoy food, sex, and material things, but only if tapping into the Yitzhar Tov while doing it, and connecting it back to its source. Like the Alter Rebbe elucidates in the Tanya, we make a blessing before we eat, then we enjoy the food, and we continue to elevate the sparks within it by doing good things with the energy that it gives us. Blessing food and using it to give yourself strength to do good in this world is a powerful thing. We're taking something that is a blessing created from Hashem and using it as a way to bless Hashem. The same can be done with any material substance in this world. We especially see it with sex. 
It's something that could be used in a damaging way, causing both yourself and another person psychological harm. But it's also the most powerful connector, bringing people together not only in a sensual, but a spiritual way. And we know what can come from it is creation, life itself, a fully formed being. So our task isn't to avoid it at all costs, but to partner with Hashem through it via a spiritual union with your partner. Yaakov, who fled the physical and conflict, became Yisrael, the person who learns how to live in this world, but with eyes on the next world, for such development is a higher level of being. Yaakov's wrestling with the angel elevated him to a new status as an angel himself, as seen in his name, his change from Yisrael, as seen in the suffix El. As we know, the angel who he wrestles with was Satan, the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination. The gematria of Yisrael is 541, which is the gematria of combining Yaakov and Satan, which is 182 for Yaakov and 359 for Satan, which comes to show the person who conquers the Yitzhahara reaches the level of Yisrael, the 541, a redemptive state. We can also see this in the verse in Hosea when it's written, Ve'yashar el malach, so he strove with the angel. And if you move the letter Vav to the end of the word malach, the word switches to mean his angel. And what is left are the five letters that spell Israel. Further illustrating that the person who wrestles their yetzer, their inclinations, and conquers them, is elevated to the state of Israel. Rashi explains that the messengers Yaakov sent to Esav were angels, and he sent them saying, This is what you should say to my lord Esav, so says your servant Yaakov, I stayed with Lavan and delayed my return until now. I have cattle and donkeys. Rashi explains that when it says Garti with Lavan, he was relating that he kept the 613 Taryag mitzvot. The gematria of Garti is 613. Rab of Breslov explains that specifically because Yaakov stayed with Lavan, who wanted him to fall from his devotions, Yaakov was able to strengthen himself and attain the knowledge and the ability to keep the 613 mitzvot, using the adversity he faced in Lavan to bring him closer to Torah. Yaakov was trying to send the message that despite having lived with evil, he did not fall and will not fall. By sending angels, he showed that he was immersed in godliness. In the verse when it says, until now, and specifying that Yaakov has cattle and donkeys that he received by cultivating Lavan's flock, he was trying to send the message that he had turned his Torah studies into prayers and materiality into godliness to achieve even greater levels. He was then ready to match and even overcome Esav. When they finally did meet, we see that Yaakov conceded the blessing to Yaakov, as he recognized that if Yaakov was able to subdue Lavan through the 20 years of constant attempts to deceive Yaakov, and he was able to reveal divine favor and come out on top, then Yaakov was the one truly deserving of the blessing. We read how Yaakov sent his family and possessions across the stream, but went back to retrieve some small jars. And as we know, it is then that Yaakov was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the break of dawn. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he wrenched Yaakov's hip at its socket, so that the socket of his hip was strained as he wrestled with him. In this struggle with the angel, the Satan, the angel of death, he was injured in the sciatic nerve, which Rashi explains was violently torn from Yaakov's joint by his angel. This nerve is rooted in the lower spine and runs down the thigh to the ankle and is generally associated with the sexual drive. The Zohar teaches that every day in the year, as well as every limb in the body, has a spiritual counterpart. Rab Natan teaches that the three paragraphs of the Shema prayer contain 248 words, which is the gematria of Rechem, compassion. Compassion grows from belief in Hashem and working on that connection. It is then that a person is considered to be a human being with 248 limbs, which correspond to the 248 positive mitzvot that require action to fulfill. Compassion is also born of pausing and not reacting at all times. 
we have 365 sinews, which correspond to the 365 negative mitzvot, there are other things we should not do. Corresponding to the 365 days of the year, as it's something we have to be diligent with at all times. Sinews or nerves through the brain instruct our limbs to act. Being mindful of Hashem's instructions of when not to act in situations where we feel like acting strengthens each corresponding sinew or nerve, elevating it and causing holiness to dwell upon it. On the flip side is failing to resist the temptation or to perform the mitzvah, and that actually weakens the limbs or the nerve, causing a spirit of impurity to dwell on it. And so each nerve and each day has a corresponding angelic force. Otherwise, the person is considered an animal in human form. Chazal, our sages teach that just as there are 248 members, limbs, or organs, there are 248 spiritual limbs of the soul that enliven and govern the body. The Arizal teaches that the soul of a righteous individual consists of 248 spiritual members, and each one contains a spark from some of the souls of the other righteous individuals. They are interconnected in that way. And so all the divine favor that a person receives is in the merit of the souls of the other righteous people who are connected and dependent on them. The Rizal explains that this is why the righteous value their possessions, since they know that they came from above. This is why Yaakov went back even though it was just a couple of small jars. By fulfilling one's mission, the righteous person is fulfilling the righteous that preceded them and actualizing the potential of previous souls with completion in ways that might not have been realized while they were in physicality. So realizing that what Hashem gives isn't only to fulfill one's own mission, but that of the missions of those that preceded them. And so valuing possessions not only because they allow that person to reveal the light of the infinite in this world, but also because they allow them to further the state of completion of the souls that came before them. And so the Arizal explains that a righteous person can't disdain the material. If nothing could be accomplished by giving them material, Hashem wouldn't have given them at all. And this is why Yaakov returned to collect the small jars, because otherwise it would appear as though he didn't value them at all. Everything given to us must be valued. And so he went back to show just that. And in this battle, Yaakov had with the angel, the Satan, the angel of death, just as with our own struggle with the Yitzhahara, but not on our own merits alone, but with the merits of the righteous ones that came before us, and with that, we are able to overcome and outweigh the Sitra Achra. And in this battle, Yaakov had with the angel, the Satan, the angel of death, just as with our own struggle with the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, but not on our own merits alone, but with the merits of the righteous people that came before us, and with that, we are able to overcome and outweigh the Sitra Akhra, the evil inclination, the other side, the side that opposes godliness. So too, with all the good and holiness that we take on, we elevate and hopefully fulfill missions of the ones that came before us. Yaakov was damaged in the pelvic region because this was where the Satan could claim he had possibly fallen from the Torah's instructions to not marry two sisters. The argument is, of course, refuted on many grounds. However, it still gave the accusing angel a hold over Yaakov. This is the reason the Torah says, the children of Israel do not eat the sciatic nerve, which is in the hollow of the thigh to this day, because he, the angel of the Satan, damaged Yaakov's pelvis in this sciatic nerve. When it says Yaakov was left alone and a man wrestled with him until dawn arose, we see that the angel tried to fault him on every one of his sinews, and on every day of the year only finding a hold on the sciatic nerve. This comes to teach us that the importance of both the positive and negative mitzvot at every moment and throughout the year. These are done with the material around us and have an effect on every limb and sinew in us. In Lukutei Sichot, the Lubavitcher Rebbe has this epic teaching about the heights of spirituality through materialism and what Yaakov is truly communicating with the words, I have acquired oxen and donkeys. 
It was specifically his divine service in the house of Lavan that involved refining physical and material entities which enabled him to receive the loftiest revelations. And the Bnei Israel and the Mashiach, the Messiah, will be revealed through him, alluding to one of the two ways Mashiach will arrive. One from the prophecy of Zechariah, being a poor man riding a donkey, and the other from the prophecy of Daniel, with the clouds of heaven. Chazal reconciled the difference in visions, explaining that if the Jews are worthy, Mashiach will come with the clouds of heaven. If they are not worthy, he will come as a poor man riding a donkey. Pirkei de Rabbi Lezer teaches that it is the very same donkey that Avram used to carry the wood and other materials to the Akedah, the sacrifice. As it stated, he loaded his donkey and the very same that Moshe used when bringing his wife and children to Egypt. As it's written, he mounted them on the donkey. The word chamor, donkey, shares the same root letters as chomer, material substance, which is fitting because the Midrash explains that Mashiach's arrival is dependent on our fulfilling the tasks of refining the sparks of godliness clothed in the world's material substance. Revelation comes through each of our efforts to refine our body, our animal soul, and our portion in this world, and to use them for holiness. When Yaakov said he stayed, sojourned, garti, with Lavan and acquired donkeys, he regarded the physical setting as foreign, as the root ger, a stranger, as we recall the famous verse, a stranger in a strange land. But garti can also be translated as I dwelled, and we see through the message Yaakov was sending to Esau was that he transformed the space and experience into a manifestation of godliness. The Rebbe explains that as a result of Yaakov's refinement of these physical entities, he was prepared to greet Mashiach. Therefore, his statement, I have acquired donkeys, refers to the king Mashiach. Yaakov thought that Esav, in the time allotted to him, had also refined himself, and that he too was ready for the coming of the redemption. But the messengers came back to him saying, We came to your brother, to Esav, and yes, he is your brother, and you are already prepared for the redemption, but he is still Esav, and is yet to be refined, and so the redemption cannot come now. The lesson for us is that even if the world is full of Esavs, ruled by Adam, we still have to emulate Yaakov, perpetually refining ourselves and those around us sheep, servants, and maidservants, for the ultimate redemption. As the title of one of the first vars that I wrote, taken from Friday Night Lights, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. This is done by knowing that I sojourn, Garti with Lavan, knowing we are no more than a stranger in this material world. I'm a stranger in the land, and that is not our own natural setting. Feeling that one is merely sojourning in this life, material existence will not conflict with the spiritual, and one can enjoy material success like Yaakov's, acquiring oxen and donkeys, sheep, servants, and maidservants. But this has to be done while preparing oneself in their household and possessions for the redemption. In this way, a person has an effect on the world at large. As Rambam says, the world is equally balanced. And so, with one good deed, a person can tip the scales of the entire world and bring redemption to it. And he continues, when the Jewish people turn to Hashem in Teshuvah, they will be redeemed immediately. The Alter Rebbe and the Hasidic movement's redemption occurred in the week following our Shabbat, the parasha of Vayishlach. Yud Tet Kislev, 55-59 or 17-98 on the Gregorian calendar. Chassidu teaches us all how to sojourn with Lavan, to live in this world and treat physical concerns as transitory, to reach to the revelations of Mashiach. As the Baal Shem Tov famously said, when your wellspring spread outward, the master, meaning the Mashiach, will come. A person uses rides a donkey to reach a destination that he or his possessions would otherwise be unable to. The same applies to the spiritual parallel of riding on a donkey. The Baal Shem Tov explains that the reason why chamor, donkey, and chomer, material substance, share a root, is seen in the verse, when you see the donkey of one who hates you, lying under its burden, when you see the chamor, this donkey, 
That is when you will carefully inspect your homer, your body, and you will see. And when we read, of the one who hates you, means it hates the soul that longs for godliness and spirituality. Furthermore, you will see that it is. Meaning, lying under its burden, God intended that the body be refined by studying Torah and observing mitzvot, but it is lax in fulfilling its task. Certainly, help him. Here we're learning that we need to help this person even if we have hatred towards that person. And by doing this, we're refining and purifying our own body. The lesson is that through refining and elevating our physical selves, tendencies, and the physical world's material substance, we reach a level our souls can never reach on its own. Hasidut interprets the verse, many harvests come through the strength of an ox, in a similar way to mean that by using our animal souls, our godly soul attains a more intense love for Hashem and accomplishes more in its mission of refining the world and ourselves than it could have on its own. We need to use the material and our physical selves to uplift our spiritual selves and the souls that came before us and to bring them to a place of the ultimate redemption that should come speedily. Prior to the giving of the Torah, material substance was not able to be elevated at all. In the time of Avraham, there was a divine decree separating the physical and spiritual, but after the Torah was given, came the possibility of physicality itself, even its inner dimension becoming holy. Physical substance doesn't exist for its own purpose, but rather exists solely for Hashem's honor. And so, the physicality of this world is simply a medium for godliness where we refine material existence through our physicality to connect our souls on high. The Rebbe teaches that even the higher levels of the soul, meaning the Chaya and Yechida, will be raised to a higher level through the divine service of refining the body. In Chassidut, there's a concept of Bitul, self-nullification, a commitment to Hashem's divine service that transcends self-concern. In a place not fit for holiness, the practice of nothingness, or Bitul, becomes even more extreme. The Baal Shem Tov once spent some time in a home of an idolater, something you would think would be uncomfortable and bring despair to such a righteous giant. But he came out very happy and said to his disciples, I have good cause for joy, for in one hour I observed the entire Torah, saying that the law forbids one to meditate on the words of the Torah in any filthy place, and idolatry is considered the same as any other obscene and repulsive thing. And the fact that I controlled my mind from considering even a single thought from the Torah may be accounted equal to having observed the whole of the entire Torah. Rabbi David of Dinov commented on this, pointing out that the Rashi that Yaakov had observed the 613 mitzvot. But how can that be, if he could not observe the commandments that are only applicable in Israel while in Lavan's house? The story of the Baal Shem Tov illustrates how Yaakov observed all 613 by being in a house of idols. Yaakov was forced to guard his thoughts on dwelling on even a single idea from the Torah. Since the prohibition of thinking of holy matters in such places applies to the whole of the Torah, and Yaakov was vigilant about any and every thought involving Torah, which has strengthened in the 14 years prior when he studied in the yeshiva of Shem and Ever. And so, it could be said that Yaakov observed all of the 613 mitzvot of the Torah. In a way to put so much perpetual focus to not focus on something, keeps you just as connected, if not even more, on that thing. I always love the line in the movie I Heart Huckabees when Jude Law finally agrees that he won't tell this story, a crutch that he used to make people like him. And Lily Tomlin asks, what do you think will happen if you don't tell the story? Are you being yourself? Jude Law replies, how am I not myself? And Lily Tomlin looks to Dustin Hoffman, then back to Jude Law as they all keep repeating, how am I not myself? Bitul is the act of being, being something but transcending that something into nothingness in the ultimate way to connect to Hashem. 
Yaakov humbled himself to Esav to further his mission of unifying the material with the spiritual and to bring Israel's mission to conquer Edom. As we covered in Parshat Toldot, Yaakov and Esav will never be equally great at the same time. The ascent of one would result in the descent of the other. The Khatam Sofer teaches that Yaakov's reaching out and humbling himself may have been based on Eov's advice that he, Hashem, raises the nations and then destroys them. Since Esav, Edom, was destined to reign for a finite period of time and then be destroyed, Yaakov wanted to limit the tenure of power and reign by flattering him, thinking that he could soften him with flattery, gestures, gifts, and words, and he could curtail the duration of such power. Making Esau feel superior, Yaakov hoped to hasten the downfall of Edom and usher in the redemption. Eo's observation, he misleads nations before destroying them, could also be interpreted that Yaakov wanted to mislead Esau into believing Yitzchak's blessing had no effect and that the recipient of the blessing had to actually plead for mercy from the loser of the struggle, saying, In my stay with Lavan, I did not become a prince or a person of esteem, only a sojourner, a second-class citizen. There you should not hate me because your father's blessing to me. Be a lord to your kinsmen since it was not fulfilled in me. Of course, Yaakov knows that his father's blessings were fulfilled from his holy perspective, but he knew from Esau's perspective of wanting the entire world without end, the blessing in Esau's eyes will never actually be fulfilled. Yaakov concluded his message telling Esau, you shouldn't be angry with me because such blessings as our father gave me would never be enough for you, even though they are all I need. We all have had to overcome Esau's in our lives people that are toxic and try to push your positivity into negativity. Sometimes it's different people at different times. I'm no exception to that. It's a struggle to be a better person with such people and I always continuously try. It's only recently that I started to question why I'm trying so hard and to consider that it might be time to match toxicity and negativity with just that. But then I realized it would let that person win and change me for the worst, making me into what I don't like about them. Rabbi Nachman teaches that even with the most evil person, one has to find the good point in them and that could elevate them to a place of merit. Focus on the good, and eventually it will be good. So we have to approach it like Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov came to Esav and sent gifts and said, My Lord, humbling himself, so that the ascent of good would result in the descent of bad. Part of Bitul is self-transcendence, not in a way that is damaging to yourself, but putting your own self aside and figuring out a way to continue to be righteous and to connect to Hashem despite the obstacles even if they are manifestations of Sitra Akhra in those moments. We have to overcome this world, materiality, our physical selves, the difficulties that come from them, but not by avoiding, but by elevating. Death Cab for Cutie, one of my favorite bands, have a song called Where Soul Meets Body, and I always love the first verse. I want to live where soul meets body, and let the sun wrap its arms around me, and bathe my skin in water, cool and cleansing, and feel what it's like to be new. It touches on this holy intersection where soul meets body, and the revealed light is all-encompassing, while bathing in this purifying water which is associated with a new beginning, water being Torah and life itself. The Dibno Magid explains the Midrash and Arparsha the terms from afar. In the verse, Yaakov lifted his eyes and saw Esau from afar, and then lifted his eyes to heaven. This teaches us that we have to do the same in all future generations. Lift our own eyes to all future Esau's. Deal with the Yitzharara, the evil inclination head-on, but only after lifting our eyes to the heavens, strengthening our own emunah, our own bitachon, our own faith and our own trust, praying and connecting, knowing that all comes from Hashem. It's only with that knowledge that our own plans will be successful. That is why Israel chose to face Esau and not to leave it in the hands of Hashem. As it's written, Hashem your God has blessed you in all the works of your hand. 
We have to connect our own work in this physical world to the spiritual world to draw blessings down. It's the connection between the two that bring the blessing. Otherwise, the physical blessing, when it's missing the spiritual counterpart, can become a curse. And so tapping into the light, renewal, and a constant desire to unify the soul and body is our mission in this life, as seen through the journey from Yaakov to Yisrael. I pray that we merit to see the revelation of the concealed and its redemption in this lifetime with the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, restored in its full glory, speedily and with all the blessings and peace, a time of Kulo Shabbat, complete Shabbat. As I always say, Shabbat is my favorite time of the year. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.